Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You want again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwined The memory in my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know Just what you've done Good evening, good evening, good evening, everyone. This is Dr. Nancy B. Brown-Willis. I will be your host for tonight on Stop Child Abuse Now, scan number 3108. I'm with my beautiful co-host, Ms. Kim. Ms. Kim? Ms. Kim Lakin. Thank you. Are you on there? Hello. I'm here. Yeah. Hi. Hello. Good to hear from you. Um, so we're on scan number 3108. Uh, the guest number to call in is 646-595-2118. And we have a wonderful guest tonight. His name is Gerard Edwards. Uh, we're going to start with our mission statement. Miss um, Kim, would you like to read the mission statement? Well, you can do the intro, the bio. That's fine. Okay, I'll start with it. Right. We have a single purpose at NASA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional trauma, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone, and two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Again, the call number is 646-595-2118. And um, Ms. Kim, would you like to read the bio? Yeah. So tonight our special guest is Gerard Edwards. He's Florida. And he was sexually abused, unfortunately, by both females and males. Childhood trauma is hard to discuss, especially when it happens multiple times, he says. Gerard was molested by his female babysitter for two years between the ages of five and seven. Then he was assaulted again in the second grade at age eight by a family member. 
He struggled with anger and his identity for many years. He felt disgusted, unloved, and neglected. I'm sorry. It breaks my heart. These feelings are shared by many child abuse survivors as are misplaced feelings about being responsible and shamed for having experienced that abuse. But the blame always belongs to the adults involved, never the innocent child. Um, my screen went away on me real quick. Um, <laughs> for years, he blamed his mother for the incident and because he felt that she failed him to protect him. And I think a lot of us can feel that too, Gerard. Um, he says that having his innocence taken away at such a young age was devastating. He learned that forgiveness was the best solution for him. And for many, this is a big part of their healing and recovery from child abuse. Now, we've, now that he's become a loving husband and father, um, he's going through those experiences that has pushed him to be someone that is willing to speak out against child abuse and one day become an advocate. So um, he now has his bachelor's in the Bachelor's of Arts in Psychology. And psychology is a field that best suits him because it provides an opportunity to give back and help those who struggle mentally and emotionally. So Gerard, we welcome you. We're going to go ahead and bring you on now and then um, start telling your story. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I I cannot stress on how um, how grateful I am. Um, this is definitely an honor. This is my first time being able to express my story in such a broad capacity. So um, I'm a little nervous. So please bear with me. <clears throat> yes. Uh, but uh, just going back to to my story with the um with the babysitter at my at my young age um we my mother and I moved to Tallahassee from Tampa because her husband at the time got accepted to um FAMU Florida A&M University for, for college and we were living in an apartment that is near the dorm room and unfortunately you know, financially, um, couldn't really maintain at the time, and so my mother um, took on you know, some some odd jobs, and one being working overnight at a restaurant. And I still remember this day. I think it was it was Denny's, and so she had this babysitter who would come <clears throat> and and watch us. It was me and my younger brother, but for for whatever reason, it seemed like that babysitter always took interest in me. And every time she would babysit, it was like clockwork. She would come into bed with me, and she would pull down my pants, and she would literally force me to have intercourse with her. And when I refused to do it, she would slap me. She would punch me in my stomach, and I would over and over say I'm scared and she just did not care. Uh she continued you know with the with the molesting, uh with the physical abuse of course, with the sexual abuse. And um 
I'll never forget one of the most embarrassing things that happened to me at that time was uh, one night when she came to babysit and she literally forced me to do oral sex on her. And to have that happen at such a young age and because I was so afraid of her, I, I did do it. And when I started coughing and literally started vomiting and all she could say is, how was it? And so thinking about that even now, I can't understand how someone would even ask a child about that or even put a child in in that situation. And so as my bio stated, this went on for for years, for 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 two years at my from between five and seven, and so it was just the same thing over and over and over. Even when we moved from one apartment to a different location, she was still the babysitter, and every time it was the the same mo, physical abuse, um, pulling down my pants grabbing, touching, and rubbing on my my private area at, at, that, at that age. Finally, I guess my mother had got to a place where she wanted to get to, and she no longer needed that job. And she found a a, a Monday through Friday 9 to 5 job at a, um, a doctor's office. And so a family member at the time had moved down. This was a year later. He um, lived with us because he was having troubles at his home. So my mother and her husband at the time took him in, and, of course, her husband, that was his nephew. And I'll, I'll never forget, um, he called me downstairs, and he was just like, you know, lay on the floor. And I was asking him, why am I laying on the floor? What are you What are you doing? And he's like, just lay on the floor. And he was so intimidating. I mean, he was a big guy to be a teenager. I want to say he was maybe 6'2", six, 6'3", six, maybe. So I'm, you know, this scared little boy. And so I listened to him. And I'm sorry, guys. Um, he got on top of me. Like you, and it's your time. You don't have to. Yeah, don't worry about. You tell what you feel comfortable with, okay? So okay. Take a deep breath. If you You're doing a great dream. job. Yeah, you're doing an awesome job. It's hard. We're here for you, though. So he he got on top of me, and he literally, you know, started, um, of course, having sex with me. And I was telling him that it was hurting, and he just did not care. He kept going. And I realized that he got to a point where he released his semen inside of me. And I remember uh, going upstairs, I went in the bathroom, and I was in there for maybe about an hour, ashamed, confused, Um, a little angry, but more more disgusted than anything, because I could not fathom what just happened. Why would man 
at least I looked at him as a man at that time. Why would he do such a thing to me and not even apologize for it? And I had to live with that torment, even though it happened that one time. But the fact is he lived with us for years, all the way till oh, he almost graduated high school. So to, to live with that torment, it was just, I mean, he lived with us for maybe eight, nine years mm-hmm. after that incident. So it was just, it was just um, really embarrassing. And I got over it, all of it eventually. But for a while, like I said, I was angry. And I took it all the way into my adulthood because you know, I questioned why did that happen to me? What was my mother doing to be so focused on other things but not realize that, hey, this is happening? How could she miss miss it? How could she not see that something about me was different? My behavior was different. My attitude was different. Um, I, I was struggling in school. And I was an honor roll student, and I was struggling with my grades because of what had happened. So I can tell the stories now. It used to be mm-hmm. hard to tell it. I only, maybe only a few, a handful of people know. But now I'm, I feel that I'm in a place emotionally that I can share it because I feel that it would be selfish of me to not share my story because right. there's someone that's mm-hmm. out there who's been through the same thing and needs mm-hmm. to know that if I can share it, they can too. Thank you for your bravery and uh, thank you for your strength. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to start coming forward. Um, you know, sometimes you'll have some people that are supportive of that and then sometimes you'll have some people that have other things to say, but just like you said, it's bigger than you. And you're trying to be that connection, that support for other survivors. Um, unfortunately, some people, they go through this type of abuse and they take their lives because they can't process um, the level of abuse that they just, the trauma that they just underwent. Um I know I, I had a couple of questions, so I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions going back to the first babysitter. And um, okay. I know we have uh, a panel, so I'm sure I'm just going to open up if anyone has anything to say in a minute. Um, but, you know, how old was this female babysitter? How old was she? How old was she? Oh, man. Yeah, how old was she? I'm just going to guess, but I know, I want to say she was in her teenage years, so maybe 13, 14. Okay. She was probably like I never really knew her age. That's not what you think. I never knew her age. It seemed like that was always a mystery. Mm. Okay. Now, when she was uh, abusing you, did you ever tell anyone Never. And I didn't say anything because, you know, she she knew where I live. I did have a younger brother at the time, so I felt that, you know, if I said anything, maybe she could harm him or maybe she could Mm -hmm. harass 
harass us while we're knowing where we're living and I'm knowing where my mother works. So I I didn't know what her motives would be or what her intentions would be if I said anything. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't. And I mean, I'm a five year old boy who's who's going to believe that story. Right. Mm-hmm. So you felt that no one was going to believe you. Right. You didn't feel like anybody was going to believe you. So where was your father around this time? Um, so my biological father, I didn't know him. But at the time, my stepfather, he was actually a full-time student in school. And I think he worked He worked at night as well. Yes, actually, he worked at Wendy's. So he would go to school during the day, mm-hmm. and then he would work at night. Sometimes he would get home late one Mm -hmm. two in the morning so yeah so that's how she took this opportunity to abuse you right and you and you never felt like a little window where you were like "Mm, maybe I should tell my mom or a classmate a friend or anything you never felt that little window never never felt that window never and it almost seemed like because the environment, because I, I, we didn't live in the best neighborhood, so it almost seemed that it was just maybe like a, a normal thing that a child goes through some type of trauma, whether being exposed to drugs, violence, um, police, heavy police activity, um, physically abused at home. So it was... I never felt that I, I had that avenue. Mm-hmm. Right. I understand. All right. Um, so we do have a panel. Ms. Um, Kim, did you want to make a comment or have a question? Yeah. For Mr. Gerard. Yeah, Gerard. Um, I'm, I'm so sorry that you had to go yes. through all of that. It does yeah. not... Yeah, it's still always hard to to hear other stories and to know that there's so many evil people out there. And, you know, we do this on this channel. But, um, you know, it it also takes a really, really strong man to do what you're doing. We don't have a whole lot of men that come on. We have more women that come on and tell their story than men. So I just want to know, applaud you and say you're doing an awesome job and thank you for, for wanting to step up and, you know, be that. Just kind of an anchor for others who aren't sure what to do with all of that information. And um, you're such a, a good example for for other men that you can heal. I know it, it's probably taken a while and you'll probably get to that point as, as you've been healing throughout the years and everything, but um, as I know, it's it's also not even something I, I don't think we get to. I think we're continuously always going to need, you know, that support in some way, and um, and I'm sure you realize that as well. <laughs> now being a dad, yeah. like you had mentioned in your... <laughs> I mean, thing, a lot of things change when you become a parent, don't they? You just are all of a sudden going, wow, that 
you know, and start to, I think I really started to understand the gravity of what had happened to me, mm-hmm. especially after I started having children, because, um, and I, I can so relate to what you're saying about your mom. That was a struggle for me as well, because my mom had the generational abuse mindset, and in her mind, it was going to happen to me eventually, and that's what she told me it happened. And so I, I get that struggling with where was my mom? Why was my mom not there for me like she should have been? And, right. um, and you know, we, we just – and my mom passed away 20 years ago before I even started really doing the serious work. I was 50, almost 50 before I started doing this work. And um, and Billy's telling my story, but um, so I never got a, that final closure with her, um, and so it still does bother me sometimes, you know. So I can get that so much, and I'm I'm sorry that she wasn't there for you either, because that little boy deserves to have somebody there watching for, out for him. Yeah. And, uh, do you know how much, you, how old your mm-hmm. Do you know how old your cousin was or or not cousin I guess I don't really know who it is who whoever had abused you in the family do you know how old that teenager was do you remember No I I know at the time when cuz he was much younger than the first Well, I should know that I think they were both teenagers so at the time I know for a fact he was 13 How was he yeah, which still isn't very old at all. I mean, when you think about it now, I know um, one of my abusers when I was five, which was a neighborhood kid, and I, for years and years until I started doing my work, and um, and I finally found my friend, but I had thought that the first kid that had introduced me to sex was a teenager. And I was five years old, and then I found out later that he was only eight. But in my oh, wow. eyes, he was mm. so much bigger and stronger mm-hmm. and intimidating, and you know, and I thought all my life pretty much that that was a teenager that had done that to me. And um, come to find out, my I have six years between me and my husband, <laughs> and when and I think about that, and I'm like, wow, That's, you know, because. That was aggressive. So, unfortunately, I would, you know, have to say that those two teenagers were being abused at some point as well, unfortunately. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't excuse it by any means. But um, I would have to bet that those teenagers were. And that's how they got their power. Mm-hmm. It's by, you yep. know, coming after you. So, I'm sorry that, that you were the one that was available. Because a lot of times that's what it comes down to. And with single moms, especially, it's so, that's so prevalent. You know, we're single moms yeah. looking for help all the time. And so, yeah. Right. But, Parents who work nights. Thank you. Um, I'm glad um, yeah. you, you struck a good point. Parents who are single parents, you're right with that, Ms. Kim. And also parents who have to work these um 
hard schedules and work nights and and decide to have a babysitter because my mom worked nights and I didn't have a babysitter. We couldn't afford a babysitter and we stayed home at night by ourselves. And so, you know, they were trying to be responsible. They felt that that would be uh, helping to make sure that that environment was safe and they did it in good faith that they were being a responsible parents paying this person and this person was just abusing the children, you know. So a lot of times the parents, they really are in good faith trying to make sure that the kids are not home taking care of themselves. And then this happens. It's very unfortunate. So you, you did um, get a good point with that. It happens with single parents a lot. A lot. A lot. Okay. Um, we do have a couple of people on the panel, so I just wanted to open up the mic for a minute um, to see if anyone had um, a comment or if anyone had a question or if anyone just had a word or could relate to the story that Mr. Gerard just shared. Um, first, again, Mr. Gerard, Ms. Kim and I, we just want to thank you for taking the time to be courageous tonight because I know that this is not an easy thing to do. We know that this is not an easy thing to do, and uh, we're just very proud of you. Um, so does anyone have a comment or a question? I do. I'm going to call out. Okay. I do, okay. too, yeah. Uh, I'm okay. Lori, So you can way. go first, Ms. Lori. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you are the first person, a male person, that I've heard on here. Your story, unfortunately, uh, happened to my son, you know, in places and I always wondered for him what it was like because he didn't tell me either. But once he got older, he did. So what you went through at that age was terrifying. And that babysitter was evil. She was mentally ill uh, at our mind. Um, unfortunately, she was there. I mean, it was unfortunate that it happened, but it had nothing to do with you, she targeted you. It was what she wanted, not you. And uh, right. people, people who don't have feelings of the other person, no matter what you say to them, they're not going to stop doing what they're doing. So, you know, that's why she just kept going. Even if you did fight her, she knew that she was older and that she had power in some way over you. So, um, and that's what she's relying on. So for her, it was wrong place, wrong time thing, um, but it affected your life forever. And it's not fair. No, it's definitely not fair. And I I picture you as a scared little boy, and I just want to cradle you, you know, to have to keep this inside you and go through it all that time um, was a horror. Mm-hmm. It, it was a horror. I mean, that is hard to get over. But as time went by, it did get worse for you. Um, it happened again. And then during this time, you're expected to live life. You're you're already a guard of your siblings. That's why you hadn't said anything. You wanted to protect them. That's why you took them. Which makes you an angel on this earth to be even thinking like that. So you, your intelligence, I, I heard right away. Okay, so I know that 
you know, as you go along, you're going to get further and further, and you're going to make a difference not only in your own life, but in all these people that are going to be starting to follow you because you will have a following. You're you're doing a um, very, like, man-up thing here while yes. getting some exposure just for yourself, other people, you know, to be comfortable talking to other people about it because then more of it will get out of your head and you'll start replacing it with current things and it goes back mm-hmm. and, and back. So I want to hear honestly more about it, and I want to find out definitely um, how to help even more, because I find you amazing already. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Hoy. You know, um, again, Mr. Gerard, we just want you to know that we support you, and we're really proud of you. A lot of times men have a hard time coming forward, and... I know there's um I know there's another man in the room. Um did you want to make a comment or did you have a question? I have a question. Yes, come on. How did you get over your shame? How did I get over it? Oh man. Um <laughs> No one's ever asked that question before. That's why you're here. Man, oh. Oh, man. Take your time. You, Take your time. You know, I I think, to be honest, um, having a family helped a lot. Getting married and, and having children helped a lot. And the the reason why it helped me get over that, because I realized at the point that I'm responsible for other lives now. So if I hold what I went through as a child, if I hold all of that anger, then I would not be able to love them properly or lead them properly. And so I think that 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 really helped me because now it's now it's, to me I'm like, you know, I can't hold this anymore. I I can't be angry. I can't allow the shame because Regardless of if those individuals are alive or not, they went on with their lives. So I can't allow myself to still hurt from something that happened years ago because now I have attachments to me. And so having a family, just that that's what really helped me overcome the shame. Mm-hmm. That was good. Another thing that you said, a powerful thing that you said, is they went on with their lives. These people go on with their lives right. as if it never happened. And then we have to carry the pain and the shame. Did you have another question, sir? No, no, I don't. Or another comment? You. you okay? All right. Thank All right. You. Does oh, anyone else? Yeah, thank you, Philip. Good to hear from you. Does anybody else have any questions or any comments? Not right now. Okay. And, you know, a lot of times um, survivors will call in to listen because they're trying to gain strength. Um, Just like you heard 
some people say, hey, you're the first person, you're the first male that I've heard. Um, we've had many males call in and share their stories, but sometimes this is people's first time hearing a male's perspective. They happen to call in when there's women telling the story, and more, more women come forward than men. And so what you're doing is so big. It's such a powerful ministry. It's bigger than you. So now, um, Ms. Kim, did you have any comments or any questions before we move on to the – I had another question, but I just wanted to check with you first. Um, I was – I guess I was just wondering if you know if your brother was abused as well. Is that part of your story, or, or is that something you don't want to share? Um, at the time when that happened, yes, it happened to him too. Not with the first, not with the babysitter, with the, with the family member. It, it did happen to him as well. Yes. Um, and are you this, guys the same, able to talk about? We never talked or... about it. Mm-hmm. We, we've, we've never, we've never talked about it. Uh, actually, no, I'll take that back. We talked about it once. And um, his response, um, the way he responded, I knew that it, we have to cut the conversation short because there was so much anger that came from. He literally said, "If I if I could find a guy, I'd kill him dead." Mm-hmm. And so, just hear my brother's response. I'm like, okay, you know, we have to change the subject. Let's let's talk about something else. And so ready. we we haven't talked about it ever since that that one conversation, and that was actually oh. a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Is he? How's he doing? Is he okay? Um, I I believe he's doing okay. He he went active duty with the army. I think he's in North Korea right now. Wow. So, yes. Were you in the service? Yes, I I was in the Army for six years. I got out in 2012. Oh, well, thank you for your service. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes, thank you for your service. Go ahead, Dr. Nancy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's okay. No, um, you know, that was a good question, too, Ms. Kim. Um, Wow. You know, a lot of times... um, when we're the oldest sibling, we happen to try to take the bigger part of the abuse. So a lot of us, I personally can relate, a lot of us can relate. Um, but to find out that he did go through it, even though you tried so hard to take the bigger part of the abuse, and if not all of the abuse, because you're protecting your sibling, how did that make you feel when he did share that with you? When he did share it with me? Yeah. When he shared um, it with you, did you, like, were you surprised? Like, at first you didn't, you thought it was just you, right? You were the older one right. taking the abuse. But then when you found out that he did, that this person did get access to abuse him, and you never knew or were never in the room to see what happened to him, but then found out that it happened to him, how does that make you feel? Um, I kind of felt sad because um, maybe, you know, by me going away, 
dealing with my own disgust from what happened, I failed to be there to at least try to protect him the best way I could as an older brother. And because uh, I know when we were younger, we were very close. Uh, we we did everything together. Yes, we fought, but we were we were very close. And so to not be around when that happened to him, I felt you know that I that I failed him mm-hmm. because I was always there to protect him when he when he needed his big brother around. If someone was bullying him, I was there um, when he needed help. In school, I was there. Um, when he was scared of the dark, I would let him, you know, lie next to me. So all of that. So it just that one moment, I wasn't there for him. And I kind of felt at that time that I failed him as a big brother. Mm-hmm. I, I can relate. Um, I'm sure many of us on the line, if we've experienced abuse and have had to protect the siblings, can relate. Um, my sister um, died by suicide in 2020, and later on I found out that the same abuser that had abused me had abused her. And I had to carry a lot of guilt because, just like you said, at that moment you felt that you needed to cut the conversation short. For me, I never had the conversation, period, with her. And so because I didn't have that conversation, I wasn't able to, I felt, well, it's the truth, I was not able to understand where she was mentally with her process of recovery, um, and she felt alone. She probably felt that I had never been through it. It was just her, that she was the target, just like how you felt when um, this uh, babysitter was abusing you. For some reason, she would always come to you. I felt like that. It was, you know, I went through that, but um, maybe felt like, hey, it was always her, and, you know, not because we didn't speak about it. Um not sure. Do you have any comments, Ms. Kim? After hearing that, that's hard. Ms. Kim? Not sure. If, uh, I was on mute there for a minute. Uh-huh. Got distracted. I couldn't get back to it right away, but um, <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. sorry. I'm sorry that I that that happened to both of you and and there'll probably come a time, I mean, now that you guys know, you know, there's, there might come a time in your life when you need to discuss it more, but um, you can't feel guilty for that because it wasn't you, you know, it wasn't you that did that. And there was no way that you probably could have anything different, especially as a child, you know, so be gentle with yourself. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. he was just a child, and we can only do what we can do, and so many times, I think, there's just such a confusion about what actually happened. Did did something bad actually happen? Because it felt like something bad actually happened, and, you know, and so there's this, then there's that guilt that don't let it. Yeah, I hope that you guys can get to a point where you can, you know, connect again. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Gerard, you said here, but the blame always in capital letters belongs to the adult involved or the older person involved. And um, 
you know, all we can do as we move forward and as we grow is educate the new common generation and create right. a safe environment. They can tell. We're not going to uh, live in that guilt and we're not going to live in that uh, unforgiveness of ourselves for things we could have done this and we could have done that, but we're going to take what we've been through now and be these experts to be able to help others shine and or prevent. Really, that's that's our real goal, right? Um, so you said here, I struggled with anger and struggled with identity for years. What was that like, that part of your life, when you were going through anger and identity issues? For those who do abuse or listening, who can relate? So the the anger, oh man! I think the one thing is I didn't know how to treat people. I definitely um, had trust issues, and um, there were mentors. I know for a fact. Uh, even when I would go to the boys and girls club, and even growing up, there were mentors who want to just kind of be a a positive role model in my life. And even though they may have been innocent and had a good heart, but I never allowed anyone to get close to me like that, ever. And I mean, even I'm, even when I first got married, like I, I struggled kind of allowing my wife to get close to me because I always had this thing is, you're going to hurt me too, just like what happened to me before. <clears throat> And so the, the the anger, I rarely smiled, you know, as growing up as a child and as a teenager. Um, mm-hmm. People always say that I'm, I'm what's, what's going on with me? Why am I so mad? I'll be mad one moment. The next moment I'm, I'm laughing and I'm playing and I'm mad all over again. <clears throat> and it was confusing because even though I, I knew why I was mad, but I didn't couldn't understand why I would get so angry like that. Especially, uh, I dealt with um, not especially with men. I struggled with allowing any type of male figure to get close to me, whether it was my grandfather, was was just I, I loved them. Uh, maybe older cousins, uncles who I knew loved me, who I knew would be good for me, but I just never allow anyone to get close to me like that. And so with the identity, when that happened to me at that age, I, I felt, man, am, am, I, am I a boy? Am I going to grow up to be a man? What is going on with me? It was just, it was, it was so con- confusing because he, for, for, for better, for, how can I say it? He um, mm-hmm. put a negative seed mm-hmm. in me that brought confusion to my mind, and so I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was going to be. I did not know what I was going to become, and so I think that was the the confusion with the identity. You're right. A lot of um, many young men who have been through sexual abuse, um, sometimes they deal with identity issues where they start to question 
their sexuality. And that's something that happens sometimes because of that type of level of abuse. Now, it's not your fault. It was not your choice. So that's not something that you chose in the right state of mind. But it does, like you said, put a bad seed in a person when they're abused by the same, by by anybody, especially when it comes to the same sex. It adds a whole nother level of confusion. So thank you for sharing because it is true. It is true. Yeah. You have, um, let me um, just, do you have anything else to say about that? Or did you want to open up for the panel if they had a question or comment? Were you speaking Mr. to me or Ms. Kim? No, you, Mr. Gerard. I was saying, did you oh, have no, no, anything no, I... else you wanted to add on to that or... I was going to open up no. to the panel if they had any questions or comments before we. Oh, no. Does he have more about his story, though, that he wants that you want to tell to us? Do you want to tell a little bit more about your story and and once you kind of got out of your those younger years? Yeah, there is one part I do do want to add on, mm-hmm. and okay. it may or may not yeah. have anything to do with the story. Um. But three years ago, I finally did have an opportunity to discuss with my mother what had happened after all these years. But I did not get the results that I thought I was going to get. She literally said one sentence, and it was, I'm sorry that happened to you. And I couldn't believe that that's the response that I got. I was expecting to get a hug maybe some tears, maybe even an apology or a kiss or even a I love you. But that was that was that was all that she could say and you know, I was I was angry about it at the time, but now I I decide to give her the benefit of the doubt because maybe that's the only mm-hmm. way she that's could shock. respond because the fact, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe it's just the shock that, okay, this the happened shock. to my oldest son, and he's now the telling failure. me this, and I'm, mm-hmm. right. The shame. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So when You thinking you're doing I, the best, and then you hear this type of news from the child, it, it can also be very shocking. Especially, like I said, you know, she thought she was doing the best with the babysitter situation, but her reaction was probably not the best at the moment, but not being mentally prepared to hear that. Sometimes people right. say not the right thing at the wrong, you know, not, not at the wrong time. Did right. you, how is your relationship with your mom today? Oh, man. To, to be honest, it's, mm-hmm. it's not the best. We, we haven't talked in about a year. So if, um, I'm not upset about it. I know it may, it may sound weird to, to say that, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I can't force a um, a relationship with someone who doesn't want it. And so I kind of just learned to just live with it and, continue to thrive the best way I can. Does she see the green food? 
Say that again? Does she have a relationship with her grandchildren? No. At all. And she didn't she hasn't even tried to have a, a relationship with them. And it's it's kind of um the depressing. Because actually, a few weeks ago, my oldest daughter um, literally was talking to her sisters, and she literally said, "Because they call her, they call her Gigi." She's like, "Gigi doesn't doesn't like us," and I kind of just froze. I didn't even know what to say. Um, thank goodness that my wife had a quick response, and she was able to kind of to nurture that, and so for my oldest to kind of feel that pain that wow her her grandmother doesn't care for her, for her to say that it was it was heartbreaking for me um, like I said I'm so thankful that my wife was able to to nurture that and kind of give my my daughter what she needed at that moment right um, that broke my heart my grandchildren called me Gigi you know, oh, man. I really want. Yeah, that's my nickname. I'm I'm Gigi. Hi, Gigi. Every time, you know. So it, I'm sure that is um very difficult. And you know, a lot of times, one of the things that you know, I did a little research on uh, my abuser was my father, and I did research on his background. And uh, one of the things that I learned was he was abused, and he was abused by his father. And, you know, when you start to sit down and look at the person who abused you, and, you know, I'm not saying that you should feel bad for them, but when you look at the child, normally when I study people and I look at people, I normally look at the child, you know. And, um, you know, we don't know if your mom had been through, you know, back in the days a lot of people had been through sexual abuse. They just didn't speak about it, and they just were taught to get over it and to never talk about it. Uh, and so a lot of people from back in the days, they went through abuse, and they don't know how to process. They don't know how to speak about it. They, they don't have the type of level of freedom and empowerment that we have when we're able to talk about it. They just, that's just what you know, what it is. And so even like your babysitter, that's probably a, a behavior that she learned, you know, and this is not to make an excuse. This is just us looking at this now from the outside in and saying, hey, maybe this person, she was 13, 14, who, who introduced her to this where she knew exactly what to do and where to go. Um, and, you know, because a lot of times when they're younger, somebody does it to them, and then now they have that power over somebody who's younger than them, and it just goes on like that. And it's very sad and unfortunate. Um, but we're very proud of you because one of the things you talked about was forgiveness, and that's something that I always try to focus on, the power of forgiveness. So um, I know someone asked you, before, you know, how did you – make the, the choice similar to the question I'm going to ask a similar question. How did you make this choice to forgive them, forgive yourself, and really start your healing journey? Um, can, can you say that one more time? Well, have you I, I forgiven make sure them? I, I, okay. Have I right. forgiven well, them? Have you yes. forgiven them? That's the first question. 
Yes. Yes, I, I have. You and have it, 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 it took some time. It, it, it took some time, but um, it goes back to the statement that I said earlier that they're living their life. And so <laughs> I I had to forgive them because at the end of the day, it's the, for, when I look at forgiveness, it's for the person, not for the one that did the hurting because a lot of times they don't think they did anything wrong especially if they don't have the the heart in them to apologize. And so for me it was it was just like a no-brainer for me to forgive them because I don't want to I didn't want to take any anger or bitterness. Mm-hmm. If I was to die at the time I was holding that anger or bitterness. I mean, I don't I just didn't want to take that to my grave for one and then mm-hmm. number two I just I did not want to live my life full of bitterness and anger and people get sick people get cancer and a lot of times it's because they hold so much of that in their hearts and so mm-hmm. for me I just I, I was not going to carry that weight because it can, it, can, it can weigh someone down if they don't forgive a person that hurt them abused them it, 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 it does more harm than good. I mean, what what can you accomplish by holding that anger? It's only going to make you worse. And then you won't be able to love other people properly, especially those that generally love you. And right. that's just what I had to get. That was the result that I had to come to, the realization that if I don't forgive them, that I can't move forward. And that was basically what it was about. How did you work on forgiveness? Did you have to work on it or you just decided to do it? Were you ever angry? Did you ever hold anger and resentment at some point in the journey of Yes. Yes, I did. There were moments where, especially with the uh, family member, there were moments where I would say to myself, if I ever see him again, I don't know how I will react. And I, that was, and that's not my character. I don't want to be physically abusive to someone, especially when it happened to me. So I don't want to have that that nature. Okay, if I see him, it's war. So over time, I kind of just slowly just let it go. And I just I had to do it. Now, <laughs> I'm going to share an uh, incident. 2017, uh, when I was working for, um, um, as a case manager for the county that I live, Hillsborough County. And um, I called a, a client back in my office to help them with assistance they may need as far as financial, getting referrals, getting um, food assistance, things like that. And the person that came in my office, we began to, you know, just talk because I always have this thing. I want to build rapport with anyone that I'm talking to. And we started talking about a familiar um, place. Now, I didn't even look at the the person's name at the time because I just, I don't like to go straight into work without first release. Let's build, let's start a conversation you get comfortable. I get comfortable before we get in, you know, to the work, to the workload. 
and we started talking about Tallahassee, yeah. and we was naming familiar areas. And when I looked at her face, I literally had a flashback, and I knew that I was face-to-face with the babysitter that abused me. I knew it. And she would try to talk, and I just literally froze in front of her. And I still ended up helping her. But um, after I went in the bathroom, and I just, I mean, I cried for at least five minutes straight. I just bawled out. And so I remember calling my wife. That was the babysitter. That I recognized the, her face, and to to be face to face with her, and not react in such an angry way, I knew from that that day, I had forgiven her. I knew from that day I had moved on. Mm-hmm. That takes a lot of strength to walk in forgiveness. I, I um. I can relate to that, and I know for a fact um, Ms. Kim can relate to that. I, you know, have uh, helped out my abusers and family, and, you know, um, it takes a lot of strength to be able to do that, and that comes from a very, very deep place of healing. Um, I want to, Ms. Kim, I know you can relate to that. That takes a lot. Oh, yeah. A lot of strength and a lot of love in your heart. You know, God really working in you to operate like that. Mm -hmm. Well, and I want to say, and and you probably know this too, Gerard, is that, you know, there's going to come times I think even I noticed raising my kids, you know, that things will come up. Even though you've healed and you've forgiven just make sure that you give yourself grace if it comes up again because, you know, there could be opportunities that that just catch you off guard. And um, and then also know that your mask is at least here to help you. But, yeah, I take care. I don't – I take care of my dad, my stepdad, who, who abused me, who lasted me as a child. Um, and that was the one that my mom stayed with until she died. She was with him until she died. And then I had my only brother, younger brother, and he passed away about six years ago. And so now it's just me and my abuser, basically. And there are times that I'm like, okay, God, I know I'm supposed to be patient and I'm supposed to be, you know, I know that's what you want because I've forgiven him too. But there's, I I found as I got older also and I've healed more that I'm setting up more boundaries. And um, and it's not, and it's not because I don't still care what happens to him. And I think that this is what he's struggling with right now because he's pretty, um, pretty sick. He's got a lot of COPD uh, issues and congestive heart failure and probably Parkinson's. I mean, he's just got a lot of things, and I think. My aunt said to me today, because my aunt and I both went down to see him today, and um, that's her, her brother, and I'm staying with my aunt right now. And um, and she, actually, my aunt, who I'm staying with, was the one 
that I told right after it happened when I was 12 years old. And my aunt is only six years older than me, so although she was 18 at the time, she had no tools either to know how to, to respond to me. And then it was her brother, you know, so it was like she didn't really respond much. And um, and so I had to live with that as well. And it was, yeah, it's, it wasn't easy. There was, there was a lot of resentment. And then when I was 15 and I told my mom that it happened, even though it had stopped, just like you said, um, my mom, that's when my mom told me that yeah, happened. Basically, I don't remember the whole conversation, but I just remember walking away with that in my head. And also the knowledge that my mom had been sexually abused as well. She told me that. And so I think that there's, and we talk about this a lot on this show. So you should call in anytime as a guest, you know, like Philip and Lori has done today. Um, Because we'd love to have you in on lots of different things. But, um, yeah, you've got to get to that. um, I was lucky because my brother wasn't abused that way. Mm -hmm. He wasn't sexually abused, but we were all... Um, emotionally and physically, and also um, they went my at a young age. My dad started giving us because my stepdad came into my life when I was about three, and um, I had uh, first my my appendix had ruptured when I was seven years old, and so he started giving us marijuana. And shortly after, I think I started getting it, but he started giving it to my brother. And he gave it to my brother. I think he was giving it to both of us so that we would go to sleep so that they could do the harder drugs. And um, and I was very aware of that most of my life, that, you know, they're doing drugs. And, you know, I have to be the one. I was. I felt like I was the responsible one. I think probably from the moment that we moved in with him when I was like four or five, I remember that things have changed, and then um, things just got worse over the years. And now I'm, I got to the point where I was able to forgive him. He showed up at my church one day, and um, and I walked through you know, Christian class because he never knew God at all up until that point. And so um, I was able to walk by, but I think what I was saying is that even though I'm still doing that and I'm still walking with him on this journey, there has been a lot more boundaries set, even I, even since I've been doing this work. And he also, to some degree, when he can, he supports me in the work that I'm doing now. I teach a child sexual abuse prevention class, and um, I'd be happy to send you more information about that. But um, it's something I've been doing for almost seven years now. And I told him right away as soon as I started doing this. I said, I'm going to do this. And um, it just solidified for me that I'm an adult now. I'm going to do what I need to do to take care of my kids and now my grandkids. And um, I'm not going to allow that to just happen to my kids. And so, you know, there's mm-hmm. – it's been quite quite the journey, really. 
and it's not over. I mean, like I said, he's still alive. He's very elderly, though, and he's wanted to live with me ever since my mom died 20 years ago. He's, he's asked to live with me, and I finally just had to say no. You know, I will make sure that you're taken care of, but you made that choice a long right. time ago, and you're not going to be able to move in with me. And so um, mm-hmm. he has a hard time with that because now I'm about an hour away from him, and he is pretty, he's getting pretty frail. And he gives me a hard time every time I go down there. But I mean, the, like I said, it's still, it was his choice. When I was a little kid, 12 years old, he shouldn't have done that. And he, you know, he apologized, I forgave, but there's still consequences to that. So, thank you. Thank you um, for sharing, Ms. Kim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, we're, and I just want you to know, yeah, we're here, no matter what. We've all been through. Yeah. We're here and we support. understand. We yeah. do have um, a few people on the panel as well. Just wanted to know if anyone had any comments or any questions. Um, forgiveness is uh, interesting. Oh, I got you canceled. I'm sorry. I'm glad you're coming on more often, but I, I jumped in there. Yeah, because I started out reading the bio and I saw forgiveness, and I was like, this is amazing, you know, for your age to be able to do. And I try to apply it to my own circumstances, and I just cut them off. I honestly felt that I'm, we're all peers of the same age and are eventually on the same planet, but there's a higher power. And for the higher power to make people like this and do what it is, they have to go to them for forgiveness. But on this planet, what you did, you compartmentalized what happened to you and how it is going to affect you. It's like you know yourself already and you know you have a future. And the direction you're going in is actually fantastic because the progress that you've made so far is amazing. I, I didn't expect you to be so mature about all of all of this, and you are. And it's like you're you're a light, a beacon of light, to be able to feel all these feelings that you've had and testing yourself out with that face-to-face with your baby so it gave you, you know, proof that what you chose to do is working for you. So, yeah, I think you got it together way more than you think, and I want you to keep going. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so humbled by that. Mr. Phillip, you had a comment? No, never mind. No? Okay. All right. Uh, I hear somebody's background, doors opening and closing, so if I ask you if you can please mute your mic, that would be great. Okay, so, um, you know, Mr. Gerard, you have come a long way. If you can just, you know, let us know a little bit about that transition into your recovery and into your healing journey. You know, for those who are listening who are trying to get to that place, they're probably just coming out of that dark place and they're ready to walk into their next season. How did you do it? Oh, man. Um, 
Well, of course, it started with, and I know some people may not believe in it, but um, I'm a strong believer in prayer. Um, that that spiritual connection um, is is something that I really gravitated to, and beginning to to read the Bible and started to study more about healing and the process of it and the and the benefits of healing and started really putting it into into practice and to just um kind of allow myself to 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 be open to relationships you know you, you can't go through it alone um and I, and I had to learn that so mm-hmm. Uh, allow myself to build partnerships and relationships with with others, even though they may not have been through that situation, but just to have just someone to speak in something positive in your ear when you had so much negativity happen, um, just having someone to be that kind of that person to just lean on when you want to be emotionally vulnerable because of what you experienced. Um, not being afraid to express, to share when you are in a moment of weakness. And that's that was one thing that I, I struggled with more than anything that, you know, communicating as far as sharing my emotions because I was always so closed in. But I learned that can't be like that. And so that all those putting all those together really helped in my journey to be you know, where I am today, and to just now be a person where I get told a lot, "Why am I always smiling?" And I'm like, I I don't know. <laughs> I just I just smile. My wife tells me I smile while I'm sleeping, which is the, the funniest thing. But she says it all the time. She's like, "You're always smiling." And just like. <laughs> She's just like she's just like you're just you're just glowing. You're smiling. You're asleep. And she's like, no matter where you go, it seems like just people just want to just have a conversation with you. And so I think, you know, to to hear that is, is just, it's it's a blessing. Like you said, it's a blessing. It's overwhelming. And I take great joy in being that type of person I am now because before, could no one approach me because of my demeanor, but now it's it's just easy for anyone to talk to me. You're walking in your healing. Yes. Right. Philip, did you have any comments about that? I know you asked the question earlier about how did you forgive or how did you heal, and that was a good question. And since we're kind of on that same note, did you have any comments or any questions about that? Well, no, because he just answered it, so thank you. Okay. okay. All right. All right, well, I'm glad that um, he did answer your question or your comment. I uh, learned forgiveness is the best solution for me. And this is a big part of the healing and recovering from child abuse. Now I have become a loving husband and father. How did you get to that place to be able to become a loving husband and father? Because I know it's a process. You know, it's not something it, it that you is. did overnight. I'm sure you had oh, challenges no. learning how to become that. 
Oh, definitely. Um, there's there's one scripture that that's one of my favorite. It says, "Live with your wife with understanding." And um, before, I didn't know what that was like. And and having children really <laughs> taught me to have patience, big time. And the fact that you know I have four girls. I, mean, I have five children, and four of them are girls. So. They just having those girls have have taught me a lot to be more more sensitive. I, I know it sounds weird as a, as a man, but um, it's, it's okay to be a little sensitive at times when it comes to yeah. when it comes to family. It doesn't always have to be aggressive, iron fist, and and I had I had to learn that, and so. When I say applying that has helped me be a better husband and father, it helped me to be able to lead them, to to, to give them an example of what a man is supposed to be, what a father is supposed to be, what a husband is supposed to be. And now that I have a son, now I f- I'm so proud that he has that figure in front of him to look at that once he gets older, he understands, he sees me, he says, that's the type of man that I want to be. Or uh, when, you know, every time my girls see me, they hug me, they kiss me, because they know that they have a loving father that's coming home to them. Anytime I spend time with them, they always they're always so grateful. Because before it was just it was work, 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 come home, sleep, work, work, work. But now Putting all that, all of that to 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 the side to really see the bigger picture. It is it's really not about me. That's good. That's good. It's not about you. It's bigger than us, right? Right. You also said here, going through those experiences pushed me to be someone that is willing to speak out against child abuse, and one day become an advocate. What made you want to become an advocate for others? Because I, 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 I truly feel that there are others who are, you know, my age, younger or older, who still have fear, who are still afraid to speak out. And so I want to be that that person that when they don't feel that they have a voice, I'll be that voice for them. I'll I'll be that that knight for them. I'll be that that warrior for them to help them come out of that that cage of fear, or help them realize that they are special. You don't have to hide behind the hurt anymore. You know, um, you can heal. You can move forward in life. You can progress. You you can have a, a better mindset. There is a, a um, you know, there there is light at the end of the tunnel. To some and people, you know, going through, right. And, and that's that's the the one key because I I realize you know, evil people. Their main goal 
is to keep people entrapped, and they don't care how they do it. And so that that right there made me want to become an advocate because I want to fight against that. They're not going to keep that person trapped. They're going to come out and be healed. They're going to have those chains broken. They're not going to be bound by hurt and and agony anymore from the situation. I'm going to be that advocate to help them break loose from those shackles and come out of that that mental and emotional prison. Right. And and speaking about mental and emotional prison, you spoke about the fact that you went into the area of psychology, which is one of my favorite favorite topics. But um, what caused you to go into that area, and how does it help you in your own healing journey? To be honest, psychology wasn't my first choice. I actually started going to school for nursing. And... I did Mm -hmm. a few courses and realized, okay, maybe this is not for me like I thought. And so sitting down, speaking with a teacher, she's like, have you just considered anything else? And I never really thought much about it. And I I took uh, one of those, you know, career tests to kind of see where you're, where you best fit. And actually psychology came out to be on top. And so I said, okay, well, let's give it a shot. And, you know, taking a few courses, I I began to like it because I see how it it focuses on the mindset and helping people to think differently, helping people to have a better outlook on on life itself. And so how that helped me because, you know, when I became a case manager and helping other families, outside of business as usual, there were opportunities where I got to pray with people, to encourage them when they would share stories with me that they haven't shared with anyone else. And that just further increased my love for the field because now I knew, okay, this is where I belong. Wow. That's where you belong. I mean, even though you went into, you try to go into nursing, it's still taking care of people. So you have a servant heart. Right. Still a service. But I don't don't think nursing, nursing was, yes, it's serving, but I don't think it was in the capacity where I thought that I would be able to, I gotta say, well, my gifts will make room for me, if you will. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. My. Once you got into it, you saw not what, not where I'm really going, right? Right. Okay. So now, you know, how are you using your degree? Like, what you went to school for? Do you find yourself that you are putting it to good use? Do you use it with your daughters? You have four girls. <laughs> you have to be a psychologist to deal with four girls. I have three boys and one girl, and my <laughs> one girl. Oh God! I'd be like, Oh my God, they're so smart. They they will work you. Okay, they will work your brain cells. Mm-hmm. So, okay, my girls <laughs> and they're oh emotional. They... You have to have. Whew. You have to be sensitive. You have to have a balance. Whew. 
Yes, I know. I already know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that is the, the emotional part of it. Oh, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> all the time because they'll just cry, especially my four year old. Oh my goodness. She she really she really works me. <laughs> and I just I just don't have to just sit back, okay, get it out. All right, now come here. Yeah. Come here. <laughs> let's talk. What's wrong? Okay, let's do it like this. And sometimes it'd be just the most simple things that really agitates her. Or, or any of my girls, for that matter, and they'll just cry. And it's just, yeah, I'm right. just like, okay. But it, I, it's, it's, it, it's helped as far as the emotional part when it comes to psychology. So I just, I just use it all the time on them. Right, you're utilizing it for good use. So, what are you doing today um, in your healing journey to give back? To others, how are you using your gift? And we're almost, we're about almost seven and a half minutes from the show being over. So we want to make sure that you share with us anything else you'd like to share. Um, I think that is that is all. Yeah, words I of encouragement like for survivors. Um, actually, yes. Um. Mm-hmm. What I what I can say is 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 this. Um, you're not alone, of course. And um, mm-hmm. don't 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 you know cradle yourself into the darkness because the darker it is, the worse it can get. Um, reach out because there's always someone there to to lend a hand. There's always someone there to help. There's always someone there to listen. Never put yourself in a place where you feel that nobody cares, nobody loves you. Um, never, never put your plate, yourself in a place where you are isolated. There, there's always uh, an opportunity to build a relationship. You just have to take that step, take that leap of faith, and know that not everyone is out to take advantage of you emotionally. Not everyone is out to cause harm. There are still good people out there who are very caring and loving and want to help. That's good. Um, want to open it up to the panel again, if anyone has a comment or a question before we I, finish up. I just want to tell you That's a fantastic Lori. job. Oh, yes, Lori again. Okay. Um, I, I kind of, I got impulse problems. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, you have done such a fantastic job tonight that you really uh, put me in such a good mood because you are so wisdom E. I don't know if that's a word, but you have so much of it. And whatever your, your, um, you know, childhood was like was for a reason. It's like you have a map that is a life map, and everything is going to happen the way it's going to happen, and the attitude you have is just wonderful. So just keep doing what you're doing. You're a gift to this world. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, anyone else? 
this. You have Philip wanted to say anything. But, <laughs> um, so, yeah, Gerard. Uh, no, I guess Are you done? You want to say bye? <laughs> Okay, I'll add one more thing. There's a lot of spirituality. You know, but that's what I think yeah. has filled those voids in you. Um, you know, like from what happened to you, from the way you see your, your mother abandoned you, who's riddled with guilt. That's why she's not in your life. But to turn to the scriptures. And live them, you know, and see a future for other people that way. That is an awesome, another part of you that is just totally awesome. So keep doing that on your list of things. Well, and it is, we talk about that too on the show a lot of times, Gerard, is that I think that the people that are able to move forward with their lives are the people who have some kind of spirituality and a higher being. And um, I really believe that you do get lost. You can get lost in in your mind um, and everything that happens to you. So that's – I agree. I love that one. (laughs) That's what Nancy and I know. We we like to talk about our our faith, too. Oh, yes. That's the way we get. And Javard, you have such a beautiful family. Javard, you have such a beautiful family, beautiful wife, beautiful children. You know, um, I'm sure that they help you just be a better you. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And I do hope. And are you available on Facebook? Right, oh, yes, ma'am, I am. Can we find you there? Yes, yes, ma'am. And what oh, else, where else can we find you? Facebook, um, right. I think I shared my I shared my LinkedIn profile as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just say the name of it so people can hear it online. Yeah. Say, say that again? Uh-huh. How can people get a hold of you? What's the best way? If you can just say where they can find you. Okay. Um, the best way would be email. That's like my primary mm-hmm. contact. Uh, so my email is Gerard, G-E-R-A-R-D, mm-hmm. last name Edwards, E-D-W-A-R-D-S, the number 86, at gmail.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. Ms. Lori, you were about to say something? I actually was, and I actually forgot it, but it was a good thing. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much. Um, any last words, Mr. Say, Gerard? We have, uh-huh. What are you going to say, Ms. Kim? No, I was just going to say um, we're all – a little bit older than you, I think, on on the call right now, the, the women. And um, it took us, well, it took me a, a lot longer to finally get out. And I think um, Lori, too. It just took a long time to, to tell our story. Is that a lot of noise in the background? Sorry. The younger, yeah, I don't know who that is. Um, 
Um, but um, so yeah, you just you're doing awesome, and you did a great job. Well, thank you so much. Again, it was it was such a such an honor. This ninety minutes did go by uh, like a breeze. Yeah, it did, didn't it? <laughs> We're down to the last ninety seconds. So just yes. keep in touch, and I'm going to send you some information about what I do. Um, in case you've heard of darkness of light, I don't know, but I'm going to send you some information about that. So I will get that in the okay. email to you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Um, it's been a complete pleasure hearing your testimony. We hope that you continue doing and serving those who are dealing with um, mental and emotional abuse. And the more you share your story, the stronger you're going to get, the easier it will get to share your story. And you know, you're allowing people to know that they're not alone. So we just, again, want to thank you for being so brave and for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. You did a wonderful job. (laughs) You did a great job. All right. Well, again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you uh, for tuning in. This was scan number 3108. And, again, please remember, if you see something, say something, and together we can make a difference in the world. Another tomorrow, cause that's gone.